provide you with some meditation, affirmations. Inhale the future, exhale the past. I am the change. can and what will. Everything I need is within me. I love myself. I believe in myself. I support myself. for health, wealth, and happiness. Disconnect to reconnect. Everything I need is within me. Life is short. Smile while you still have teeth. I change my thoughts. I change my world. the change. I am enough. Every day, in every way, I am getting stronger. open to possibilities of the universe.
love myself. I believe in myself. I support myself. Disconnect to reconnect. I am in an attitude of gratitude. I can and I will. I am a magnet for health, wealth, and happiness. Everything I need is within me. I am enough. Disconnect to reconnect. the future, exhale the past. I love myself. I believe in myself. I support myself. Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. In me, I trust. for health, 
wealth and happiness. I am open to possibilities of the universe. I can and I will. Life is short. Smile while you still have teeth. Hello. Hi, Fletch. Hi, Sister Crystal. That was 10 minutes. And let me tell you, some people can't do five. <laughs> I'm practicing on taking some time to just be silent. So this 10 minutes, it's actually, I've learned to do five. <laughs> and I'm challenging myself to do 10. So that was kind of tough, um, you know, to be online and do it but I went from one minute and even one minute for me was very difficult so um, I'm working on it it's a challenge so you know how people have um, put this mic to the side I'm also on spatial IO so bear with me because um, the room there is more uh sort of like a spa room actually i should have put the let me see if i can put the link there next time i'll, I'll do that i'll put the link but how are you today i took two weeks off for vacation and um oh, that's telling me i have to update one Part of my vacation, when I this is the first time in a long time that I've taken two weeks in a row um, consecutively, literally like 10 days. And I'm, I'm very proud of myself because uh, I used to take vacation time for training and advocacy um, when I was an advocate an active advocate because we are all advocates in many ways without even knowing it um i used to take my vacation time to go and learn how to either lobby how to organize how to campaign do canvassing i actually worked on the obama's campaign in uh, pennsylvania where scranton Pennsylvania, where Biden was from. I learned a lot about that area and the people and the workers. At the end of the day, when it comes to the United States, we're all workers. We are all, you know, in some ways, we're just pretty much, if you're a worker, you're a worker. And so sad to see that we're so divisive. Um, in, in a country that can 
when united, we could be so much um, productive and way better people. When you travel and you visit other locations, you end up learning a lot about other countries and how they treat their workers. And one of the things that I do um, appreciate in traveling is uh, knowing two languages. When I travel um, to my own country, <laughs> Dominican Republic, it's sad to see that when you search for a hotel or resort that's owned by Dominicans, you don't find that. Um, very, very rare you'll find it. And I found one one time in the little area called Santo Domingo, which is the capital of the Dominican Republic, a city. And it's called Bellini, Bellini Hotel. And the wife, I can't remember which one was which, but the is a couple who owns it. And the wife is uh, Dominican and the husband is Haitian. And I refuse to stay anywhere else um, when I do travel. The last traveling I did, um, unfortunately, it was a wedding. I had no choice. <laughs> but I, I did individualize interviews with the workers there. Not, and it's so sad, you know, um, to learn that your parents come to a country, right, to find freedom, if you will, and to find um, just to better your family, right, to, to bring them up to speed and live a better life for the previous um, generation. And I have to say that out of the 12 siblings that my mother had, um, she was the only one, aside from an uncle who came to the United States, she was the only one who actually came to the United States. And with that said, um, there's big responsibilities for those who migrate to another country to help the family. And the responsibility is that you're there and you're given the opportunity so that you can help back your community and help back um, your family, right? And my mother's situation is unique only because my family was so large and so united in the in Dominican Republic that they were all focusing on maintaining their status there in Dominican Republic. So with that said, they were all making sure that they continued their education, that they became professionals, and that they will move on within the Dominican Republic as opposed to leaving the country and building something different, right? Um, losing your culture, which a lot of people do, um, because this is what happens. Once you migrate to another country and you start having children in that country, um, most of the time, you know, your parents want you to bury them in the country that they were born, but that's not even realistic if you really think about it. Girl, you didn't say nothing but a thing. <sighs> Salty coffee. Hey, girl. Hey, yeah. I I hope to be 
more well traveled this year. I've set my intention. I've invested a little bit of money. I am saving little by little. I'm about to pick up an extra day at this little job. So it's one of my hustles. Um, just to make sure that I travel because I've just been putting it on the back burner. There is absolutely no, there is a reason, but as a woman, a grown woman who's been grown for a minute, I know better than to not be traveling. So I appreciate you just mentioning that. Um, just need to let you know. And you're right. There are very few uh, native owned bed and breakfasts, hotels, in touristy areas, which is interesting um, because the natives were there first. I'll leave a second message though. I am a big pusher of bed and breakfast. Um, Airbnb is lovely for sure. <laughs> and Airbnb, if you didn't know, has the um, uh, excursion part um, that I want to actually tap into. <laughs> I've been looking at it for a minute, but uh, because of COVID just backed off. But Check that out if you haven't already, because you can find a lot of nice and interesting spots um, or activities without having to rent an Airbnb through Airbnb. And then the other thing is back to the bed and breakfast. Like I'm in North Carolina and we have some of the most highest numbers of bed and breakfast, at least we did years ago when I looked into it um, because I was encouraging a friend of mine to go ahead and open one. And I hope to open one um, in about a year or two. Because we need that. We can tell the story. Nobody can tell the story like us. You know what I mean? I hope that made sense, but I understand. Faith, everything you say makes sense. Trust me. Um, one of the things that I noticed, um, do they even have exchange programs anymore? Glo like, what is the global exchange? Oh, hold on. I'm fixing myself here. One of, one of the things that I realized is that um, why can't we, you know, when you go to these tourist places, I know safety is very important, but if we have family, right? Because even my family, Dominican Republic, they're like, oh, well, are you going to stay in a hotel? Because, you know, and that's not how it was before. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, you're not even going to invite me to your house for dinner? <laughs> wow, okay. Because the last thing I want to do is go to a restaurant <laughs> when I go visit. I hate it. I um, I was so used to My mom used to take me to DR like four times a year. Usually during the holidays, right? The, the winter holidays. Then during Easter time. Um, whenever we were off from school here in the United States, my mother will take me to DR. And I was, I was going out. Like I was 10 years old taking public transportation, Dominican Republic. And, you know, there was no safety issue like there is now. And I think the Dominicans, um, when this country invaded <laughs> Dominican Republic, when it came to opening the records, you know, with the drug, the drug war that we had in the eighties, um, that, that tunnel between Dominican Republic and New York and Miami too, um, that tunnel was very, very, um, dangerous. And it was because 
the the corrupted people were not the drug dealers and they were not the people who were living in new york city the corrupted people were the politicians and law enforcement there's a, a film called la soga and i encourage you to watch it because it's based on a true story and the connection between the drugs between united states and dominican republic and I, and sometimes it just ugh, I hate when I go to my, you know, your own country that, you know, your parents worked hard to make it grow, right? For everyone to have equality. And it just, it just really did not turn out that way. It It's a whole bunch of bougie bullshit when you go there and they treat the workers, the people from there, the natives, cruelty. I mean, when you go to these resorts and you pay this enormous amount of money um these people are working 16 16 to 18 hours a day consecutively for six months and then they have this so-called one month off where they have to work either somewhere else so one of the highest um paying jobs is to work at a resort whether that be a cleaner a porter whatever it is if you work at a resort you're considered middle class and they only make less than $700 a month. They they make like, I think it's like a thousand pesos, they said. And that's not nothing. A thousand pesos is nothing. Because one dollar, one U.S. dollar, I think it's like 50-something pesos now. And, and even the economy and the currency has changed a lot there, too. You already know. You get educated and you leave the ne- you leave the nest to get educated and then you're up and out. And then you only come back when you start having kids and you need some support or a, a relationship falls apart or you lo- randomly, unexpectedly lost the job or, you know what I'm saying? When it's like shame or ne- or like assistance is needed, when shame occurs or when you feel like you need everybody else's help or, you know, you have to confide in somebody. That's when a lot of times we come back to where we're from post-education which is interesting at least that's what i think and that's what i've heard growing up but Mm -hmm. i do think that it's beautiful for us to at least embark on the business opportunity because one thing is our children we can hire our children our men and our other family members as well so that it stays in the family and we don't lose who we are but we continue to thrive in the business world you know yeah i see that I think the most discouraging thing is that even though that may have been the plans for my mom, that wasn't the plan for the family. <laughs> um, so out of the 12 siblings, you know, they were all like, no, if you're going to do this, you know, and she worked her ass off here and sacrificing a lot to give to them for them to be who they are now. Right. But it's we're so disconnected. And and that's the part that, that I fear, you know, that's gonna continue. Like, even though um, working together as a family, um, I don't know, it's, it's, I think it's interesting that it's just different for everybody, um, but yet we're all, looking for the same thing, I guess. 
Uh, let me see. This thing is asking me to traveling. <laughs> yeah, I think this will be. <laughs> um, so I, I think I see what you're saying. Um, but hopefully you were able to watch the interview with my daughter. And she had mentioned that. She said, you know, I'm so appreciative of you taking us to travel because I have friends now that are my age that have never been anywhere. And one of the reasons why I traveled with my daughters was because my mother traveled with me back and forth to Dominican Republic. And I noticed that even though she traveled back and forth to her country, she never really traveled anywhere else, you know? And for me, that was my priority when I had kids. I was like, I need to make sure I'm out. And one of the things that prompted me to travel the most was um, September 11. September 11 was uh, a time for me to say, you know what, <laughs> we can die tomorrow. Let's just do this. And you were talking about, um, do we wait for the change yesterday in your topic, Faith? And I slept, I slept on it. <laughs> And I am watching uh, the the show uh, Warrior Nuns. I am watching it. It's, uh, you know, because I'm on vacation mode, I keep falling asleep. I can't, I don't know if I have HDAD. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't retain sitting down for longer than 10 minutes and actively watch something unless it's like really, really. And the, the more I try to watch it and focus, the more I just fall asleep. Um, and it's happening to me as I get older. I don't know what's happening, but I can't even read for 10 minutes anymore before I'm like knocked out. Yes, they have exchange programs. I'm going to get out of the message to hear the rest of what you're asking. But yes, okay. they do. My brother has done exchange programs. Um, he, when we were growing up, we were introduced to people to people. They have like you can kind of be in organizations that point you in that situation, but when you're in the collegiate area um, or part of one's life, you want to make sure it's usually associated with your field. And that's where sometimes it gets a little tricky because people have to be vetted. And that's, <laughs> you you know what I'm trying to say without saying it. Let me yeah, yeah, get yeah. out of this message and listen. <laughs> Girl, it is an interesting thing with the, with currency. Currency exchange is what I believe it's called. That is an interesting topic. I'm not very well versed. I don't really care for math, but I understand the basics. Like with Jamaica, um, Dominican Republic, um, I'm vaguely familiar with Haiti's um, exchange rates. But anyways, regarding the resorts, mm -hmm. I, now I've been to some resorts and I love, I love the experience. I've grown up going to resorts. I don't have the funds necessarily to stay at all of them for the amount of time that I prefer, um, even though I'm from the U.S. and the dollar is worth a lot more. Um, I find opportunities to work at the resorts and just, t you know, tip the throw out there. It's it's a it's a win win, but it's we, we can I'm going to leave a second message. We can strategically as Americans, mm -hmm. as the only side I can speak on, we can strategically enjoy our time in some of these spaces that have been created that mm -hmm. 
might have been manipulative for the original people to help educate with strategy there because you can't like go telling Mm -hmm. the business of the community while you stand in a resort you know what i'm saying you can't like look down or or draw be be a political figure um (laughs) you know what i'm saying you don't want to ring alarms while you're there but i i teach so in some of my teaching i connect um music history um art all those things i implement in how i teach so i have an opportunity to bring forth that knowledge to those people who are from other countries who mm-hmm. probably don't know the dire situations that you're talking about in the land regarding work and wages. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that salty coffee, but keep taking care of yourself. Drink your water, make sure you're getting enough vitamins and nutrients from your food as well as um, just nature daily and Get your massages, you know what I'm saying? Every now and then, get your hair done. Um, You know, communicate with your friends. um, And hopefully that will spark some of the alertness that you need. But yeah, Warrior Nun is um, a little deep, so it can get a little boring if you're not in, you know, if you're trying to make it make sense. No, I'm not trying to make it make sense. It makes a lot of sense. And and based on your conversation yesterday, I got a little bit of, what you were talking about, but, and that's my interest in continuing to watch it, but I'm going to watch it actively and not just, you know, falling asleep every episode. Um, I think you're right. Um, I think educating people in a very smooth way, especially if you're in another country, um, the, I don't know if you really know the, the history like this is new right all of this is new women being able to work in Dominican Republic women being able to own their own businesses women being able to have their own bank accounts all of that is like brand new from early 90s as far as 90s is concerned um at around when Bill Clinton was in office there was some laws that were in place where Dominican Republic um, had an influx of immigrants uh, coming into the United States, and I'm and I'm talking about my personal observation and experience as a New Yorker and a first generation Dominican here in the United States. I'm not talking about statistics. I'm not talking about the books. I'm not talking. I'm talking about straight force observation of what was happening in in the 80s in New York City, specifically in Washington Heights, because that's where I grew up. But in the 80s, um, there was a a big influx of criminals coming in to New York and the United States. Um, And that was, as we know it now, purpose. It was on purpose uh, due to um, the crack, you know, let's bring this drug into these um, neighborhoods because there's no jobs for these people. And we're, you know, every, I will say every decade, there's a a thing going on Um, here in the United States, whether that be Chicago or Miami or big cities. Right. And there was this big thing going on where 
Dominicans were coming in and utilizing public assistance, right? And they were like, yeah, you know, you have babies, you have more multiple babies, and you could still work. And these politicians who were running as, um, you know, the, what we call the fake politicians, they they were coming in and electing uh, people who can handle the Dominicans, right? The good ones and the bad ones, because they're not all bad. Um, Clearly, right? Because <laughs> I'm, I, I consider myself a good citizen. Um, but it was rough, man. It was really rough seeing people die, getting killed, shot, um, people being addicted to drugs. It was really, really like an emotional. Like if you made it through the '80s in New York City, <laughs> and you you're still living to talk about it, it's just amazing to me. Um, but, you know, um, when it comes to like fireworks, let's say, right. I'm so terrified. I, I actually tried to leave, um, the United States during July 4th because, um, just like it's a, a traumatic experience for people in military, it's, it's just as bad for me because I've, I've had. Um, gun uh, bullets go through windows. I've I've seen people get shot in front of me. Um, it was really bad. But um, one of the things that I am grateful for that even though my environment was as chaotic as it was, I lived in a household that. None of that should matter because that's not who you are and that's not your life. You're going to um, continue to educate yourself, go to school. <laughs> that's your, you know. And when my daughter told me that I was not an emotional person, that that was something that Generation X versus Millennials was kind of the thing, you know, like she said, you know, my generation were very emotionless and we just move forward like shit that happens doesn't really mean much and i had to like think about that because i think losing my mother at 19 nothing else really mattered like all right i lost my job oh well let's go get a new one <laughs> it's like that's how i feel some of us have to live these days like why are we so um caught up in the bullshit sometimes you know but um, I think I learned a lot from my 26-year-old. I continue to learn more from the younger generation. And I'm hoping that we can build a bridge and not divide us so much. Um, I'm in, in a position of listening and wanting to learn more, you know. So I think going back into, like, the Airbnb thing, Faith, I, I wish that there was a network, you know, you know how sororities and fraternities, you know, they network, but I, I wish it was a little bit more inclusive, you know, like exclusively inclusive, <laughs> uh, if that makes sense, uh, where people can just, you know, open, like, why don't sororities open their, you know, 
membership. Like, I always thought that if you were in sorority, you're supposed to continue to help and network your communities, right? Go back to your community and, and help those people. And I don't really see that. Like, I don't, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? But I wish I could see more of that. I wish I could see where sororities are not, you know, challenging each other of who's the best, but to challenge who they can, how they can grow and extend, you know. And you hear a lot of things about sororities and fraternities, but I think I'm I'm going out of topic here. <laughs> hey, Rashad, why are you? You said no talk about all this spiritual shit, girl. You just need some dick. What we're not gonna do is come in here and disrespect um, salty coffee. So if I wanted that, I would be out there getting it because I can. But you're not gonna come in here and disrespect any other females that are in here or males to tell me what I need. I know what I need. <laughs> thank you. But no, thank mm. you. That's so good. Such a good point, Salty Coffee. And it is an interesting comment to hear from a younger generation that, you know, you're emotionless in the context you're using it. But that's what PTSD also, that's how that works. Not even PTSD, but just PTS, right? In general, post-traumatic stress. From anything, we were stressed traumatically often, actually. We... And, and I agree with you. We are not supposed to be, you said, lost in the bullshit. We are not supposed to be overly emotional all the time. But, and we know that many of the people today do struggle with that. And they get stuck in their emotions. That's why that many people are medicated to literally bring them back in because they're so far gone. Or they're so, too far in and they need to be pulled out. You know? But I'll leave a second message. You're your comment about about that was just interesting to listen to because there's no we can't really compare each other when it comes to how we respond like you said in the 80s and 90s I was in New York I grew up in New York in the 90s um and I was downtown Brooklyn I was uh Willoughby um the Brooklyn hospital area um <sighs> It was rich. Cultures were rich. So like you said, we knew who we were. We know we and those of us that made it, we still know who we are. Yeah. One thing that I think is interesting is people from all over the world, again, post the war on drugs, right? Want to come to no hatred towards New York, but they want to set up shop in one of the most traumatic areas in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> on record and, as, and then expect the people who are there to act a certain way Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think we we need to hold and that's why i'm very um active when it comes to um being part of you know the political local level um council people uh senators uh people who represent my area my district i'm very big at 
you know, letting people know, you know, hold these people accountable because you would go and lobby for a law or legislation that was just created or made. Like they're still doing um, redlining in very weird ways. Uh, rezoning is what I call redlining. Um, rezoning creates chaos and it creates um, exclusivity in a very non-inclusive way. Um, and that's not cool. That's not fair for those who have been here and stayed here, <laughs> didn't move anywhere else, and who continue to pay taxes, you know? And I think it's purposely done. They don't want you to stay. They don't want you to be a landmark <laughs> to your community. But I think it's very important for those who have left their community to really go back and not and make sure that it's not erased. Um, I was participant of a dance school and I am so glad that the director of my dance school is now at a university, is at a city college, because if it wasn't for her advocacy for the culture that made Washington Heights what it is today, like in the Heights show, that's not the real in the Heights. And I hate that shit. I hate it that someone else is writing your story and is and is telling your story based on their perspective in statistics. D not true. In the Heights was horrible. <laughs> it's not la la land like it make it, like they make it seem in in the play and in the and everybody's oh my god it was so wonderful I loved in the Heights I got to go visit it. Well now you want to go visit it and now you have Starbucks. I don't know what that's all about, because that's not what we grew up in. We we did not grow up with McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever. We that's not how we we didn't even have food in Washington Heights. We we were eating real organic fresh fruits and vegetables and rice and beans and meat from the butcher, where you have to actually go over there and clean it yourself and cut it yourself. Hey Rashad, hi Faith, Fletch, Keisha, and um. Let's see. Beck Blackhawk. Maybe you want to come back and introduce yourself and be a little bit more kind instead of being an ass. Hey, Salty Coffee. Um, I got the love from you, and then unfortunately it was followed by that Bama saying that whack shit. Hey, bro, man, go on with that shit, man. Like, how old is you, dog? That shit was mad lame. Sorry, but uh, shout out to you. You know I got to stop when I get a chance. You got a good voice, good speaking voice very clear and articulate and don't let that idiot ruin the vibe oh, no, not at all. if he has more messages and mute that shit mm, you're right it's not cool for people who have who chose to stay there but that's what goes back to your former point about families get your education don't leave if you don't have to but okay if you leave get your education make sure you come back even when it comes to land and inheritance, even just your family name in a town, right? The knowledge of it, the, you, like you said, you frequenting certain spaces. If the family members that we have and we create are gone, even if we get a divorce, even if our children uh, marry off and go somewhere else, if they particularly leave and never deposit back in, that creates opportunity for other people to come in and rewrite or rezone 
read whatever, right? Do it over how they want to. And so in the African-American community, I know like traditionally here in America, we know these things. So my advice for all people from other places is use that knowledge. You know what I'm saying? If we can. Absolutely. And I think it's also important. um, I'll give you another example. I've been working at a university that's very close to Harlem, which actually, to me, it is in Harlem, right? And when you go to Harlem now, like if, let's say the last time you were in Harlem was, what, maybe 15, 20 years ago? Even 10 years ago. It's changed so much. The only, only place that's still there from more than 50 uh, plus years ago is Showman's. And the owner, um, Showman's, is, is a little bar jazz place where people go and play real jazz. And the owner um, was a former police officer and his wife, um, Mona, I mean, she's awesome. She still had the register with the old click, 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 you know, ching, ching. Um, she just did her thing. And it's, it was so, it's so, so much of a landmark location. And I thought it was very sad that when the wife who runs it, right, was diagnosed with cancer the the first thing their children wanted to do was to sell it like they were like let's sell it sell it sell it and the mom was like nope not gonna happen and she survived she's a cancer survivor she survived it and i think um it's been closed since covid and the the husband passed away but man it's like my my coworker and I were just like, why would the children want to do that? Like this is the only black owned, really black owned building, landmark place, and I'm so grateful for um, what was her name, Jackie Onassis. Jackie Onassis made it. Uh, made sure that there was legislation when she was first lady um, that these places just be um, renovated and and that the history in these buildings be stored um, as a landmark and that you do not touch it and you do not um, mess around with it for your convenience and your um, wealth. It's just crazy. I remember going to Paris and talking to the cab driver and he was telling me how it works in Paris. Like in Paris, you're not allowed to purchase any building. What you can do to make money within the government, right? What you can do in Paris is you rent out the space for 30, up to 30 years. That's it. But the space, you're never going to own the space or the land. Paris does. The government does. And I thought about that. And I'm like, huh, okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, I guess, you know. But um, here in the United States, I don't know. Like, 
you know, these avenues have specific meanings and there's been, in New York specifically, is such a melting pot and there's been several, uh, several uh, cultures that have come in, in and out, in and out, in and out. But I do worry about people who just leave and don't bring back, you know, the real history of, of like people, when they created the 95 Cross Bronx Expressway, this was by, what's this guy's name? I forget his name, but he messed up New York. Like he built this highway in the middle of communities that were very tight and very um, connected. And immediately after he built that highway where um, these communities are now back and forth going in and out, um, he, he destroyed, he destroyed the community. So a lot of owners of the Bronx specifically were, there's a documentary called A Decade of Fires. For 10 years, these owners were actually paying people, paying thugs and people from the community to burn these buildings, to burn them down to a crisp so that they can get the money and leave. And this woman who was raised, a Puerto Rican lady who was raised in the decade of fires here in the Bronx, she did the documentary. She went to school, to college, just to learn how to do this. And she got all the information of even all the fires that were not reported. <laughs> she went into the to the library of the fire department and the New York Fire Department. And sure enough, my computer just went off, sorry. Um a decade of fire. I don't know if it's if it's now available for free on if it's now for free on YouTube, but it's called A Decade of Fire, and there's only one record shop in the Bronx that's left from that whole 10 years of these fires. And you guys, you guys have seen um, history when uh, What's-His-Face came over, Ronald Reagan came over to visit, and he almost got shot. Well, he did get shot, <laughs> something like that. And people were just like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And yeah, so the Bronx has been the place, uh, the dumping grounds of all criminals and mental health issue people. And as as sad and crazy as this sounds to a lot of people who've never visited, and as crazy as it sounds, like even to my own daughter who said, I had to get out. <laughs> my daughter was like, I am not going to live. This is not for me. I don't fit in and I'm out. You know, to hear her say that is amazing, right? Because I never wanted my kids to, but she did say, you know, and I have to give credit to myself. She did say that. She appreciates that she was able to live in the good part of the Bronx and the bad part too. Because the living in the bad part of the Bronx gave her that that New York 
I don't take bullshit from nobody type of attitude, right? So I thought, okay. And and the the thing going back to you, Faith, and what you were talking about yesterday that I learned is that you're really never gonna know, you know, how good of a parent you were until your children can validate that, right? And I made a lot of sacrifices. I had so many um, options. Like I could have left to Atlanta many times. I got, I got, uh, I, I met someone online and we started dating, whatever. And, you know, it was like, oh, okay, it's going to happen. And I got a job in Georgia Tech. And he was like, well, wait a minute. How did you just get this job? And I'm like, well, we're doing this, right? Aren't we getting together? Aren't we going to like bridge the families together? Isn't it going to be like uh, the Brady Bunch or some shit? And the person was not happy about that. They were not happy that they were in Atlanta all these years and couldn't really find that type of level of a position where all I did was talk to my boss and my boss talked to his old friend in Georgia Tech. And he was like, yeah, tell her to come over tomorrow and she could start tomorrow. And that's one of the things that my daughter actually mentioned in the interview that I had with her. She said, you know, one of the things that I admire about you is that your work ethics, I got that from you. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what? Work ethics. She's like, yeah, you work three jobs, two jobs just to raise us. And it didn't matter how you felt that day or how fucked up the day was. Your ass got up and you left. <laughs> so I think we learn a lot through um, our children. And that message you gave Faith yesterday brought a lot into my thinking in my my brain and like okay now that the conversation is over well i had to leave but um the conversation is not over it's a question that you we really need to be asking ourselves every day maybe twice a day too all right i thought um Sorry, I thought I had blocked this person because they're leaving messages, um, inappropriate messages um, here. And the one thing I will not do is allow people to come into a space that's really um, my space and um, in the protection of my daughters. Um, and serenity you're funny um in a protection you know we don't have too many men on here protecting us really so um i am not gonna allow i'm from new york and i would not allow um anyone to disrespect any woman um i i listen very carefully and i uh, have observed that there's some people who behave a certain way in one room 
and they'll go into another room and behave accordingly. And that, for me, I think, and I love you, Faith, and I love you, Serenity, because you guys, and, and Joyce F., and Lady Usurp, and Fletch, and all of these other women who are on here, you're very consistent with who you are. And I, I totally appreciate that. And I think sometimes we go into these rooms and or we'll do a talk and we just like just venting, really. <laughs> We're just like killing time because we have the time to kill. Because if I could be doing so much right now, but I just finished paying my bills and today is my last day of my vacation. So I just thought, hey, you know, let me, um, I feel relieved. I feel, you know, less stress. Like I have no stress. I have no children to take care of. My daughter's on. I'm like, whatever. Let him take care of himself. He's old enough now to go drink his little water. Let me tell you, dogs have it good. <laughs> they have it good, man. This kid has like his own bedroom little thing going on and his own little space. And God forbid I go to my living room and have dinner because he's out there like, what are you doing here? You know, he gives me that look. I'm like, man. Get out of my face. <laughs> oh, man, but dogs are funny. Okay, I don't know why this... Okay. I don't know what just happened, but the person keeps leaving messages. I keep seeing the messages. So I don't know how, how that works. I thought I blocked the person. But that definitely will not happen in a salty coffee room where people come in and disrespect Um me or anyone who's here to come and listen and take their time to come to listen to me i think some some of us are very nice to some people i'm just like no nah, i'm not having it um serenity how are you i haven't heard you talk in a while but um i love your talks um for a person who is so young um i think i've learned a lot from you too and Fletch also, I learned a lot from your talks as well. Sometimes we have to, um, you know, I've been working at a place for 33 years now. And, you know, speaking of social construct, <laughs> that's Icon's famous um, words. Um, that's another thing my daughter said that, you know, she ironically is working for a university <laughs> now and at a different uh, level, you know, of course. But um, I, I am very proud of her um, because she took the initiative. Everything she's done and where she's at, she's done it on her own. And I think... That's one thing that you can get from Generation X is that we really had to do everything alone, um, especially with me not having anyone in my family go to college. No one. I had one cousin. My mom had one cousin in her, um, uh, from her maternal side, actually for her paternal side, she had one cousin. She was the only cousin who actually worked for uh, corporate America, right? 
well, considered. From the whole Dominican family, she was the only one. Everybody else either were entrepreneurs from home or worked from home. In my mother's case, my mother was a caretaker. And, you know, or um, they did other things. I don't really know what other families, because I was young. But um, she was the first one to take me to Bloomingdale's to Macy's, to those stores. She was the first one who actually had um, a credit card. <laughs> and my first time seeing a credit card, I was so, I was in shock because I was like, so you see how now the credit cards have like the bank name? Back then it was actually the logo. So like the MasterCard was actually like the logo, the card itself. And there was no little tape in the back. There was no swiping or anything it was just the numbers you know so they had to like do the whole carbon copy thing with the number and then when when people started opening up banks to regular people <laughs> uh like the poor people the people who really didn't work in that manner um but i learned and she she took me to bloomingdale's to for me to purchase my first bra you know things like that so i think um generation x you know we had to learn everything on our own like guidance counselors in high schools were horrible in new york they didn't give a shit like they already knew what you were gonna do like based on your grades or whatever that's it and i actually went to a very good high school here in the bronx john f kennedy high school but man we had to like college applications all of that we had to do that on our own even um well i had to translate a lot of the paperwork for my mom and I, so basically when i say we had to do everything on our own was really because of that it wasn't because you know but i even think even if if for my black friends they all did it on their own too like if if they had people who were in college, it was because college was actually free back then. There was no um, tuition fee or none of that when we went to college. Um, maybe a little fee here and there for like technology or something like that in the 90s, but 70s and 60s, college was free. So um, it was all about who you knew really. Hey, Los Cruz, how are you? Hey, Salty. Hey, girl. <laughs> I ain't been doing shit on this app. I just been lurking. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually might finna go live later in character. You know, I, I'm okay. kind of feeling Good. myself today and I want to make Good. the girlies mad. Not the y'all girlies. No, the, the girlies on the street. I know. Um, AKA males. Um, yeah, you know, just been chilling. Thank you. Thank you so much, though. Like, I still feel like really shocked when women who are even a bit older than me not even that much, but uh, even of all age ranges, honestly, say that they can learn something from me or they did learn something from me. Like, give me a, a little heart palpitation, you know, a little beep beep. No, I mean, you'd be surprised when, when you're my age, at least for me, we were isolated, especially in the 80s and 90s because of the drugs in New York City. We weren't allowed to go out. We weren't allowed to do anything. So, you know, I think that was what generation x really tried hard to work for for our kids to 
be able to go out and, and explore and, and be themselves. But, you know, in my culture, that doesn't exist. So I love it. I love to see how you express yourself, how you're free. You don't give a shit. Not that you don't give a shit per se, but you don't really care what other people have to say about you. And I love that. I love that attitude. And I think um, I learned that recently about my youngest daughter. Like, she has the same attitude. She's just not on social media like that. But I appreciate. I appreciate when you come and talk and you, you do your thing. And I love that. Los Cruz, same thing to you. Like, you come out, you are so full of positive energy. And, you know, I'm trying to do a little bit uh, something different this time. I'm trying to, uh, I think that interview with my daughter really opened up <laughs> a lot, you know, uh, from, there was just a lot of things I wasn't sure about. But not that I'm, a hundred percent sure now but i think um with uh technology today we're we really need to that this is what i want to say i want to say that when i go into your rooms you know i'm very silent i don't comment most of the time it's because i'm either working <laughs> i'm always working but i'm gonna make a, a an effort to leave a comment more um just because i feel that some people because they don't hear from me you know they're like well maybe you know salty coffee is very salty right now and it's not that i just um i don't know i just i hate to leave a comment and then not have it uh not be able to continue the conversation or engage so when I do come into your rooms, I am listening. I am paying attention. I do listen. I'm a very great listener. And I'm hoping that um, I can leave more comments more often. I'm not. I started this talk with a 10 minutes of silence because I'm learning to um, meditate. Something that was very hard for me to do. It took me three years to just do three minutes. of meditation so um that's what i'll be working on moving forward just you know doing 10 minutes here before i actually engage in having a conversation by myself <laughs> um or with you guys the listeners then um to just go ahead and uh just talk i think sometimes when we plan these talks we go in you know and I know this topic makes no sense and people are coming in and out, but uh, traveling in the metaverse is just basically, um, I'm in spatial.io and I have a meditation room in there. Um, next time I'll put in the, the link so you guys can join me in there. This was such a good show. Thank you for having it. And I always try to set aside some time when I can to tune into other people's shows because we used to be on here kind of like clockwork back in the day. And mm -hmm. I'm slowly getting back to that as well as linking things. I hope that next month with it being Women's Month, I probably probably do yeah. it like last few days of Black History Month too. 
start linking and being more socially active. So anyways, thanks for y'all support in the room. And I'm going to probably head out and slide through some other rooms and see what's going on today. It was raining here. Don't know what the weather is up there. My friend said it was like 60 something, 68 or something. Yeah. It was nice the other morning because usually we walk early. And I was like, what? But then it felt like it was like 85 here. So, mm-hmm. hey, nothing can surprise us with this crazy weather anymore, right? Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Thank you, Faith. I know you're gone. But yeah, it's it's been like 50s and 60s. I took um, two weeks off, right? Because usually um, February is my birthday. But I went to the Bahamas last week for a week and then stayed in Miami. And then I came home, did the interview with my daughter Saturday, celebrated my birthday. And then I left to Atlanta City. And then when I come back, I just basically do um, staycations. I don't really do um, go back out and travel. I love staycations in New York City because there's so much to do for free. And I got to meet Erica Badu. But let me play this message. Salty coffee, que lo que, manita, que lo que. Yeah, I saw you had to come, you know what I mean? Show some love and listen in, listen on in. You always got some good content, you know what I mean? Some good information. So, yeah, I'm here for it, mama. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry. Ra, da, da. That's the energy I need. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, today I was talking a little bit more about uh, I did a 10 minute meditation because my ass can't stay still for a minute. And again, I've been working on it. That's my goal for this year is to at least try to meditate for 10 minutes nonstop. Because it took me about a couple of years to do one minute. Unfortunately, I've, I've, I've worked my way up to three minutes. So um, I think it's so important to just before you come in and do a talk that you take like three minutes to five minutes. <sighs> just breathing and silence. Don't rush it because um, I did have someone come in earlier uh, on this talk being very rude and very um, inappropriate. And trust me, if I had not done those 10 minutes uh, meditation of silence, it could have gone really bad, you know? It could have really, like, people are just so rude and, and mean. And I think, you know, I don't even know what the purpose is. What is the purpose of that? to go into a room and be disrespectful. What is that all about? Right? But um, Kinfolk, how are you? I saw you, I heard you yesterday on Faith's talk and um, this was a little bit of response to her talk. Um, What do we wait for? Do we wait for change for the change? And she was here earlier and we were having a little bit of talk about that. And one of the things that I want to say is, why do we leave our neighborhoods? Um, And if we leave, why don't we come back to make sure that our history remains and our history 
of what we made that neighborhood stay intact. So for example, I grew up in Washington Heights and in the Heights is nothing. (laughs) Um, It's so so sad that um, the person who wrote in the Heights, the original story did not go how the film, the most recent film came out to be, um, even the play. And when you Google, you know, when you search like what date is in the Heights, what date, what date, they said they changed it a couple of times because they had to uh, associate in the Heights with what's really going on right now. And what's really going on right now is if you're not aware, this government, what they do is when they're lacking in nurses, lacking in teachers, lacking in engineers, they do what I call contemporary slavery, which is they recruit these engineers, teachers, and nurses. They recruit them from other countries. They give them a a contractual agreement of, let's say, 10 years, 30 years, whatever. They come with a working visa to this country. And guess what? While you're here in this working visa, they're paying extra taxes, right? More taxes than the workers here. They also have children. They come with their children. So what happens? You're here now, let's say from Jamaica, and you're a nurse, and you bring your family because you have the visa, and they have to allow you to bring your family, right? And now your kid is like, You brought your kid at five and 30 years later, now your kid is 40, right? And now your parent is retiring and the government is like, no, you got to go too. How do you go back to Jamaica? How do you go back to the Philippines? How do you go? Like, how does that work? So DACA's was the theme for In the Heights, um, the most recent In the Heights. And that's, that's what they did with that. And I, quite frankly, I did a whole talk about In the Heights and how it wasn't In the Heights. In the Heights was not La La Land like it, like it showed. It's not a musical. It was not funny at all. <laughs> and the Dominicans who lived in this area of New York City, they made In the Heights. Like we, we made In the Heights what it is today. Of course. There are people uh, with gentrification now, um, but there's always a, a, a group that comes in and out and in and out. Before the Dominicans, you had a big influx of, of African-Americans there in that area. Um, most of them came from the Polo Grounds area, which is um, a little bit more east than from Broadway. And I had a lot of friends from the Polo Grounds because the school that I went to was like upper, uh, it was on the west side of 155th Street. And then like, if you go east, the Polo Grounds was actually what it, it was a whole field of the polo game in in that area of, I don't want to say Hamilton Heights. I don't know what, what it was called before what it's called now, but. We still call it the Polo Grounds. <laughs> and that's why they call the Polo Grounds because that's what used to be there. It used to be a, a sports um, arena of the game, the Polo game. 
And that's pretty much it. Uh, I talked a lot about Dominican Republic. And when you go to these resorts and you have conversations, have conversations with the workers. Ask them how long do they work. Um, my experience is when I go visit Dominican Republic, I try not to stay in a resort, but it is their economic uh, system. So I have to rethink that again because it's what helps the the people who are there. Um, but they work 16 hours a day and consecutively for six months. So, and pretty much what they make is maybe 700, 400 to 700, depending on your position, 400 to $700 a month is what they make. So, while they're there working in the resort, their family is either being taken care of by a grandparent or a parent. But have conversations when you travel um, with the workers. Ask them, well, how long do you, you know, and be careful, you know, because sometimes they're told that they cannot engage with the, with the people who visit, with the guests. But, um, you know, and sometimes you hear stories and you're like, man, that's sad. Like. I'm just giving them extra money. You know, sometimes you just need to be careful um, not to be manipulated into doing something, you know, out of the norm. Just give them a tip, you know, give them an extra tip, whatever. But just be careful. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, uh, for those of you who are walking in, um, I gave a little history on New York City and how I grew up. Yeah, you're talking about Washington Heights, right? You know, Washington Heights back, back in the day was predominantly Jewish. You yes. You probably know that already. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was also, before the subway connected to up there, it was actually a pretty nice mm-hmm. neighborhood, like estates and things like that. That's why a lot of those apartment buildings have really, really nice big apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Washington Heights, man. I lived on 161st between Washington, I forget the one going over, but... In the late nineties, what a fucking dump! Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and of course, it was a dump because uh, the government officials, where they put their money, um, they would put their money somewhere else and not where the taxpaying people were in. They didn't give a shit about Dominicans or anybody who was in there. But um, yes, and interestingly enough. I learned uh, when I was looking for an apartment, this is how I knew how um, the Jewish community was so connected to the elected officials and how segregated things were. So, you know, um, my mom passed away when I was 19 and I had gone, I was by myself and I had gone to the public assistance office. And of course you go to a public assistance office and you only see blacks and you see Latinos. That's it. You know, you never saw a white person. So you didn't think that your neighborhood, you had white people living in your neighborhood. Cause that just didn't, <laughs> didn't dawn on me that, you know, uh, redlining was real, right? So when I started working where I work at now, which I have been for 33 years, I was told by a, a co-worker and she's like, hey, you looking for an apartment? No, no worries here. Go here to this address. 
So I go to this address, which I already knew was a predominantly Jewish neighborhood. It's like the west side of Upper Washington Heights, right? And I go in and it says, <laughs> there's a big sign that says public assistance, right? And I'm like, wait, how is this the how is this in this building? Like, this is a residential building. What is that all about? And then on the other side, it said, you know, renters or if you're looking for apartments, go on that side. I went, they did everything because by law, they have to let you in. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be from the community. Uh, they have to. However, you wouldn't know unless you knew somebody. Right. Which is what happened to me. I only knew because somebody that I work with was like, here, go here. And so, yeah, they had all of these apartments from these neighborhoods. And the amount to pay for a month was not a lot. But they did ask me if I was on public assistance. And I was like, no, I'm a worker. So on the public assistance side, it was a whole bunch of Hasidic Jew women. Most of them had multiple children, like a lot of kids. And I'm thinking to myself, this a bitch. <laughs> These people got their own everything. They got their own churches, their own public assistance office, their own lawyers, their own. And I get it. I get it. I got it immediately. It didn't have to be like, I didn't have to be like some statistic science person to get it. But it's all good. Wait, 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 wait. You cannot blame the rundown atmosphere of Washington Heights solely to the fact that the government or the city doesn't put money into where taxpayers are. First of all, how can you say it's where taxpayers are? Most of the people I knew in Washington Heights were on social assistance, so they're not paying taxes. And the shit that I saw was like, just people didn't give a fuck. They didn't care. Nobody took pride in the neighborhood, even their apartments. The one guy, besides my friends that I had up there that I lived with at the time, besides them, the other only other person I met in that neighborhood who cared about his apartment was a white Jewish kid who had inherited his apartment since God knows when, was paying $200 in rent for a four-bedroom apartment, was broken into multiple times because he was the only white guy in his building, and was targeted. His apartment was spotless. Like, if people themselves had any pride, that neighborhood would be different. It's not the government, it's the people. Super sorry if it sounded like I was yelling in the last message. I'm in my car, and so sometimes I'm just like yelling, but I, I wasn't trying to yell at you. Yeah, and again, if you weren't born there and lived there and visited other people back in the 80s or 90s, you would. Um, understand a little bit more. And that's all I'm saying. Uh, that's all I'm saying. No, I'm not blaming the elected officials, if you will, for the dumping grounds of what became of Washington Heights. But um, I will not allow you to say that it's because of the Dominicans or the Blacks or the Latinos that it was in the conditions that it was. Quite frankly, nobody give gave a shit about anything whether you were the lawyer the landlord or the people that lived there some some people cared and some people really didn't give a shit about that area or who lived there so you know you probably came in later on 90s whatever 
by then crack and all of that everybody was deported so i'm just saying um sometimes we're quick to blame the victims or the people um but we really don't know so unless you really lived it and was there you can't tell the story you can only tell me what you experienced right and i get it i get it but uh you cannot tell me what i experienced when i was there so traveling in the metaverse um and again you know a, a lot of times we we go back and we try to um explain you know because there's always uh there's always even within the dominican culture there's disparities you can ask a, a white dominican right because they exist versus an afro dominican how they grew up in the in washington heights and you have two different stories you have two different upbringings because even in the dominican culture there is colorism and even within the working force it's like okay they're they're here they can only do they don't speak english so what jobs are going to be there for them none or if you knew who you knew right when you knew them you would have the jobs that would um based on who you knew you would get and that happened also that happened also a lot with a lot of dominicans there were dominicans that came to new york with with a job already a good job a corporate job because they were white <laughs> dominicans with what we call good hair <laughs> no i will say i, I i'm not familiar with um washington heights in particular from the 80s or 90s i am familiar with manhattan however i grew up on the upper west side harlem and the lower east side i remember the lower east side when that place was a freaking dump um, you know, lots of squats, empty buildings. Uh, I used to, I've had my name in the sidewalk for many, many years, since 1984, when I was a little toddler and wrote my name in the sidewalk on 10th Street, uh, dodging heroin needles in Tompkins Square Park to get to the swings, because my godfather's boyfriend used to take me there when I was a kid. So I do remember Manhattan, I would say, from 100th Street down, or mostly, and then sometimes I'd go up to Harlem, because my mom was from Harlem. In the 80s, upper Manhattan, Harlem, was also a dump. Um... So, yeah, things turned around when a different influx of people came in, for sure. And if you're saying it wasn't a dump back in the 80s, Washington Heights, I'm a little shocked. But, hey, that's possible. And if those people were deported, that sucks. Because the people who moved in suck. So, yeah, so I've, I'm very familiar with Morningside Heights and that area. And, again, um, if you have uh, what they call the white flight, because a lot of people who owned these areas left. They just left. They're like, you know, the government doesn't want to give us money and the financial crisis, whatever happened in, I believe in 70s, um, which created no jobs. Um, 42nd Street was a fucking hellhole, you know. The whole New York area when, um, I think it was Linden, there was a mayor who really fucked up the fi the finances within New York State. Um, 
I think um, we should really do our due diligence on the history before um, we, I mean, what I'm trying to say with all of this is that New York, the attraction of New York was because of the fucking dump it was in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> um, it attracted people to come in and do drugs, graffiti, art, fashion, music. So, I mean, it is what it is. And now it's just boring and nobody wants to be here because now it's just a, a, a cute dump, if you will. That's pretty much it. Um, a lot of people who created the music, the fashion, you know, they're all gone. They, they left. And my purpose of today's talk was to have a 10 minute meditation, you know, have a 10 minute meditation. Um, I, I work for Columbia university and I know, I know what, what the deal is. I know the history of who owns what and what, how they dictate how things move. And it is what it is. In every city it happens, Chicago, Miami and Florida, Seattle, all of those cities, you know, it just happens. But um, what do we do? What do we do um, in those circumstances, in, in change? What do we do in change? We um, observe, we listen, and we make sure that we don't tell somebody else's story. And that was my point with Washington Heights. That's why I came up. Because in the Heights, it's not the story of in the Heights. <laughs> um, if you didn't live it, you weren't in it, I, I quite frankly can't see how you're telling the story. This is all my point. <laughs> but um, yeah, so going back to the Jewish welfare office, you know, that, that was pretty interesting. You know, how they had their own little public assistance office and, you know, everything was privatized and on the quiet. You know, when you go get a divorce, they had their own divorce uh, legislation type of thing where they don't go to court. Is that, I mean, that doesn't exist in, in the real Orthodox Jews um, community. You know, that that's a totally different uh, topic <laughs> within itself. But um I encourage you to watch A Decade of Fire, which was um, a documentary done by a woman who actually lived in the Bronx during that decade of fire and how the owners were actually paying thugs and people within uh, the neighborhood to burn other buildings and kill people. Um, yeah, the owners were doing that in the Bronx for 10 years. And it's called A Decade of Fire. I also encourage you to watch My Secret Daughter, which is a journalist professor at Columbia University, June Cross, and it's her story of how her mother um, couldn't raise her. So she gave her up for adoption, but pretty much said she was an adopted daughter to her friends and family. It's called My Secret Daughter, or I'm sorry, Secret Daughter. and. She's a wonderful professor at, and her stepfather was, oh my God, what's his name? Her stepfather was this actor, um, funny actor um, from back in the 70s and 60s. Stock is the last name. I can't remember. Larry Stock, maybe? 
let's see. Uh, I think that's his name. But anyway. Uh, Secret Daughter can be found on YouTube. I think she has it in two parts, part one and part two. And yeah, that story is pretty interesting. I was going to do a talk about it, um, but I encourage you to watch it. And then I'll probably do the talk. Um, but I'm I'm mostly not on here. Um, I do have outside the box, but if you go to my website, you'll find more of my talks there. Um, I don't have anything in general to talk about because I started the podcast, uh, Salty Coffee Podcast, in 2020 during COVID just pretty much to give people resources. That's it. Um, I'm not here to debate anyone. I'm not here to... Uh, what is that called? <laughs> when people uh, do their power struggle, like, I struggle more than you did, and I suffered. No, I'm not here to do that either. Um, but thank you for stopping by. Faith, Fletch, um, <laughs> what's her name? Serenity, uh, Los Cruz, Bestie, Bunny, thank you for sharing um, your thoughts of the shitty rotten apple <laughs> in New York. I didn't take any offense of it, trust me. Um, I'm cool with it. And Deep, uh, I've never seen you before, Deep. How are you? You got two followers. How deep is your love? Is your love? How deep is... I love the Bee Gees. <laughs> That's what I grew up with. And it's uh, funny because they had a, a talent show with these kids. And it probably just came up on my feed somewhere. And... Uh, it's pretty interesting that they were singing the Bee Gees and they did a great job. So I'm also, um, I do spatial.io and I should have posted, oh, hold on, let me see if I can post it. Anyway, But spatial.io is a metaverse um, place where I would do most of my podcasting. And some of the podcasting is just one-on-one -on -one consultation if you need any help on branding on podcasting or setting up your website. I'm not a professional in it, but um, I think I do a good job, right? <laughs> uh, let me see, okay, here, I'm gonna post the thing now. <laughs> so where's everybody from? I know Los Cruz, you drive, stuff like that. I know, um, I see you mentioned you stayed in New York for a couple of days. Oh, she's gone. Hi, it was amazing to hear you. And I'm from India. I'm very new to this app. Oh, hello. Uh, it was a pleasure listening to you, by the way. And I am from India. My name is Deep. And I'm very new to this app, so just exploring the world here. Hello, I am from <laughs> India, and nice meeting you. Hi, Deep from India. Nice meeting you too. Um, welcome, welcome to Stereo. Um, I have many, plenty of talks, and this is pretty much. This is not something that I do often. I just happen to be off. And I wanted to do a 10-minute meditation. 
um, because I'm working on that. Um, so if you have any suggestions on a best way to meditate, because I know Indians have. One thing I have to say about Indians is the food. The food is uh, phenomenal here in New York. There's an area downtown by the, I don't want to say fashion industry, but around there, like the theater industry, it's close to like the 20s on the east side. They have an influx of Indian restaurants, Asian restaurants, like they even mix it all together with different countries. Oh my God, it's delicious. Delicioso. I love the chicken vindaloo. That's my favorite. I like spicy stuff. Oh, you already know I'm New York City. You know what I mean? Uh, what you call it? New York City made me and down south raised me. I, I lived in New York for 22 mm -hmm. Yeah, about 22 years. You know what I mean? And then I bounced. Kept going. State, different states, different states. I wound up down south. Yeah, I mean, I was a contract at the time, so I moved down to Louisiana. Yeah, I, I, 78, baby, New York. You know what I mean? I got to see the funky side of New York. I love it, you know, but uh, I don't want to live in it no more. It's just way too expensive for shitty, shitty living conditions. And, not, you know, not a whole lot to do as far as outdoors out there. Everything's concrete life in the winter, you know what I mean? Which, which is the indoor life, you know? I don't know, Rose Cruz. This salty coffee has a lot to do. <laughs> I'm actually looking for Saratoga Springs and maybe Albany. Um, but I will be living, leaving the city soon. Um, I like the cold weather. And I like the um, ability to come in and out the city. Um, so, you know, I'm retiring soon. So I'm hoping to do something near, you know, where I can just drive in or take the Amtrak from Albany into the city. But, um, yeah, I, I love staycations in the city. So what I do is I do TV shows. I, I, participated in the Seth Meyers show on Tuesday. Then I did the Tamron Hall show on Wednesday morning, which I got to see Erica Badu and some other people. Um, and then I did the late show with Stephen Colbert on Thursday. No, Wednesday, Wednesday night. So Wednesday morning at the Tamron Hall. And Wednesday night, I did Stephen Colbert. And those are the things that I enjoy. I love arts. And I love, um, you know, just to be able, like, I want to take advantage as much as I can while I'm here and able to, to do these things because the art is so important. And I know that um, outdoor uh, things is also good to do. But here we have the Botanical Garden, which is free for New Yorkers. And it's a beautiful, in the Bronx, it's a beautiful place to visit. So when you come over and bring your family, please make sure you go to Botanical Garden in the springtime, around the cherry blossom time, April, May. And the Bronx Zoo. The Bronx Zoo is not, I mean, I would, I've been to other zoos that are way better. But it's still, 
in the Bronx, you know, and, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful open park as well that you can come in as a resident. You can go for free. Um, and the museums, you know, now I go to museums and I see my history that I actually lived and I'm like, holy crap. I can't believe this. <laughs> and the Bronx is also opening the hip hop museum um, pretty soon. I think in 2024. I think so next year. And I can't wait for that to open um, because it's going to be uh, sort of like a metaverse type of museum. So I'm I'm excited about that. Oh, that's fab. And yes, India has a lot of variety of food. And whenever you're in India, just let me know. I would really like you to take you to the culinary uh, trip here. We can try a lot of new dishes. I'm sure you're going to love the food, the typical food here. So glad to know that you're aware about it. And yeah, so in India, we do sometimes meditation by doing some doing yoga in the morning. No, no, let me rephrase that. There's a whole lot to do over there. But it's all indoor shit. Like, you know what I mean? Comedy clubs, bars, lounges, you know what I mean? Piano bars, you know, um, restaurants and shit. But as far as outdoors, you got to wait till it's hot. You know what I mean? And then it'd be so fucking packed everywhere you go. It's just too many fucking people. Just, just, you know what I mean? Like, and I grew up around that shit, but... After being down south and experiencing different slow pace, more calm, cool, calm, collective, loving people, and just, you know what I mean, everybody sharing and other attitudes. I, it just feels a whole lot better to me, you know what I mean? That's just me. I get it. I love New I York. I'll always love New York. You know, that's where I'm from. You know what I mean? It made, it made, it, you know, it made me tough. It made me real tough. Uh-huh. And it made me that's a survivor. That's a good thing, though. That's a great thing. Yeah, I used to do art galleries, museums, you know what I mean? Um, go to day lounges. Well, you know, they, they, they got like little DJ set up and they got like art galleries. And they got movies like, um, what you call it? Uh, uh, movies of artists that are, that are, you know, just, just doing their thing. I'm coming, you know, I'm not knowing, you know, they go and they show their share of films. Like in PS1s. I hear you, but I'm, I'm glad that you love New York the way you love it and that you found um, a space, you know, whether it's always driving, but you found some, you found some space where you're able to do um, what you enjoy to do, which is outdoor, because you really need some sun. Dude, you're so white. <laughs> oh, shit. I know I said that. But um, I'm glad that you found um, the space. I'm retiring soon, so I do like it cold. I, I like that um, like that cabin life, like the cabin life type of That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, so my kids are grown, and I was just waiting for the youngest one to graduate from college, and she has. And now I'm just waiting for the oldest one to move out because um, the youngest one moved out recently. So, but I'm excited about uh, the new ventures that I'm coming into. And 
I'm just going to take it easy. Because um, I feel like, um, you know, we sacrifice a lot, you know, in New York. Um, and and as expensive as it, as it may seem to many, um, maybe because your your girls are still young, you know, and you still have young kids. I get that. Um, I hear it. But one of the things that I was able to do by working where I work at is to travel. So I think it play it, you know, it it evens out for some of us. Um, I love it here. Um, I would not change it for anything and even though my youngest one was like, I'm out. <laughs> she left. Uh, you know, that's her thing. And and I love that about people that they're able to determine what it is that they want and what exactly is it that they don't want. So thank you so much, Los Cruz, for stopping by. I know Wednesdays is your uh, and out Wednesdays. Um, only because you start at four and I'm still at work, it's very difficult um, for me to come in, you know, because I'm wrapping it up at work at four. And then I'm commuting from five to six to go home. So it's kind of difficult, but I, I go in and out and sometimes I try to do the replay, but I try to support everyone. It's very difficult. It's not that easy <laughs> to support everyone, but thank you so much for hanging in there and thank you for um, sharing your New York life and history. And I'm hoping to do a better job in meditating um so i'm up to three minutes that's as far as i can go but um i'm hoping that everybody will take the opportunity to do that too like take three minutes before your start of your talk just to um a silence like just breathe it in and not let anyone and you do that well you do that well i think you meditate before you start your shows because <laughs> you do that very well um, just to not let anyone, um, uh, like Sister Crystal will say, you know, protect your energy, you know, P-Y-E. And I'm hoping to do that more often for me. Hello, Krishna. Krishna. That sounds very, um, foreign. I think I'm going to go to the Spanish rooms also. Um, I think uh, those Latinos over there need some a little salt in their coffee. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging in there. And we'll see you soon. Oh, damn. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I thought you was going to say, protect your P-Y-E. Protect your P-Y-E. That's your energy. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I love it. Okay. Protect your P-Y-E. Mm -hmm. Sister Crystal. She's amazing. All right. I'm going to go. Have a good day. Be safe. Enjoy your weekend. And don't let anyone disturb your peace.